0: All of you, you get me. Luke chapter 14. Let's go. Luke chapter 14. And I am excited about this message. Table Manners. That's the, the title of today's message. Table Manners. You like that? It's like pink. <laughs> Let's have a word of prayer. We'll jump in. Father God, we love you. We thank you for your goodness and your grace. Father, as we approach your word, we pray that you would just give us grace. We pray that you would minister to our hearts. We pray that it would speak, your Holy Spirit would speak through this, and Father, uh, if there's anything that I shouldn't say, Father, please uh, help me not to say it. Help me to say the things that you would have me to say today, that your word of God may do its work, its eternal kingdom purpose, in Jesus' name, amen. Um, we'll post up a couple of, th- couple of podcasts today uh, from last week and then today's, so you can go back and kind of review uh, but we finished up chapter 13 last week really tying in um, Israel and our country, uh, how Jesus had compassion towards Jerusalem and what he was seeing there, what they were doing that he didn't agree with, and uh, we really we draw, drew some lines that coordinated with what we see in America today, um, just some practical application of how we can live out our faith, how we can Uh, make a difference in our nation and in our country that desperately needs it? Uh, How many of you see a need for us to live out our faith around us? That's right. Um, So we really, we talked about that in detail last week and finished up. Luke chapter 13, verse 35 is where we stopped. And we preach through the Bible uh, here at Bethlehem. So our next passage is Luke 14, verses 1 through 14. And let's go ahead and read that If you don't have a Bible, there's one in your pew, or uh, just read it on the screen with me. Luke 14, verse 1, And it came to pass, as he went into the house of one of the cheap Pharisees to eat bread on the Sabbath day, that they watched him. That's key. They watched him. The Pharisees were watching Jesus. And behold, there was a certain man before him which had the dropsy. And Jesus answering spake, uh, under the lawyers and Pharisees, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day? These guys are a bunch of clowns, man. I'm telling you. Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day? And they held their peace and took him and healed him. And he let him go. And he answered them, saying, Which of you shall have an ass or an ox fallen into a pit and will not straightway pull him out on the Sabbath day? And they could not answer him again to these things. Twice he left them in silence. And he put forth a parable to those which were bidden. When he marked how they chose out the chief room, saying unto them, When thou art bidden of any man to a wedding, sit not down in the highest room, lest a more honorable man than thou be bidden of him. And he that bade thee and him come and say to thee, Give this man a place. And thou began with shame to take the lowest room. And when thou art bidden, and go and sit down in the lowest room, that when he that bade thee cometh, he may say unto thee, Friend, go up higher. Then thou shalt have worship in the presence of them that sit at meat with thee. For whosoever exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Then said he unto him that bade him, When thou makest a dinner or a supper, call not thy friends, nor thy brethren, nor thy kinsmen, nor thy rich neighbors, lest they also bid thee again, and a recompense be made thee. But when thou makest a feast, call the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind, and thou shalt be blessed, for they cannot recompense thee, for thou shalt be recompensed at the resurrection of the just." This this passage is loaded. we got all kinds of of goodness uh, that we're going to pull out of here. Uh, But I want you to stay with me. you got to focus here. I'm going to start at the top and I'm going to work my way through. And by the time we get to the end, I promise you, you're going to be left with a decision to make. You're going to be left with either a mindset shift where you're like, man, I'm going to change my thinking on some things. Or... You'll stay just the way you are. I think I'm good. I think I uh, <laughs> will remain the way that I am. And I think that there are some people that, that we meet, right, that are just, I am who I am. No one's going to change me. And those are usually the people at the table. You can go to that next slide. Those are usually the people at the table that burp and carry on and their root is all get out. You know, I am who I am. How many of you can burp on command? Anybody? Come on. <laughs> let's get a contest going. All right, let's stand up. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I learned that, I think, in the sixth grade how to do it. I won't demonstrate. <laughs> You're welcome. But it's, it's those people who say, I'm not changing. I am who I am that are usually the rudest. That usually have no clue of what, com- what common is in the room. They're oblivious to it. And that's how the Pharisees were. That's how these lawyers were. Those that were the keepers of the law, they didn't have a clue. And that's going to be shown. So stay with me. This is, this is so good. I was reading this text this week, and I thought, oh my goodness, what a gotcha moment. Two of them in here. So here's some background. And uh, I think that's her phone or mine. <laughs> yeah, hold on. There we go. I think we're good. (laughs) We use all of our devices for the service. We get everything out of it that we can. Jesus is invited to a Pharisee's house for a meal and decides to go. So think about the context. You with me? You got your Bibles open? Right there, Luke 14. Jesus is invited to a Pharisee's house for a meal and decides to go. You ever had an invitation from those people that you really didn't want an invitation from those people? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? You're like, oh, man. But if I don't go, right? And then you're like toying around with that. But he gets an invitation from the Pharisees. And he decides to go. Better yet, it was on the Sabbath day, right? So in this culture, in this law, in this setting, uh, there were restrictions around what you could and couldn't do on the Sabbath day. Uh, So there were what the law stated, were restrictions in the law, and then there were all the extra laws that the Pharisees put on the Sabbath uh, that were extracurricular, that were not necessarily biblical. So, Jesus was invited to the Pharisees' house for a meal, and he decides to go. It was on the Sabbath day. This meal that he was partaking in was the Sabbath midday meal. The Pharisees had prepared the meal the day before because a meal could not be prepared on the Sabbath day. Hence, all preparation was made before. They were partaking into something that they had put all the preparation in. And what we see here is that they had, man, my goodness, I don't know what's causing it, Joe. Hey, but we're raising money for a new sound system. Come on. Um, We'll we'll deal with it. But uh, the point is, is that there were more preparations, check this out, that went in than just the food. These guys were trying to set Jesus up. Jesus and his disciples enter the house, and it was, the, it was clear that the Pharisees had an agenda. Here was the wording, right? They watched him. Was the statement that Luke pins in regards to their behavior to every move Jesus was making. The Pharisees have a plan for trapping Jesus. And we've seen this type of behavior before. They also invited a man that had a physical condition to the brunch as well. This specific problem was one of the body retaining fluid. That word dropsy, when you dig into what that uh, word was, it wasn't necessarily a disease, but it was a symptom of whatever ailment he had internally that was causing his body to retain fluid. And it was an ugly thing. It was someone that when you looked at him, he was puffy, he was full of fluid. Sometimes when I kind of studied the history behind uh, this specific ailment, it was something that could even begin to ooze. Uh, and, and you could just tell this man was not right. He had a condition, if you will. So let's get, y- y- y'all see in the picture, the Pharisees are inviting Jesus and his disciples in for a midday, new, midday Sabbath meal, Okay? Jesus agrees to go, and when he comes in, they're watching him, and then as Jesus kind of pans the room, he's seeing a man there that has a problem, that has an issue. Remember, who invited who? Huh? They invited Jesus, right? Y'all awake? you all Everything all right? I mean, I know we just had the fourth and everything, and, and your best friend's on vacation, and you're stuck here at church. Y'all okay? We're going to be <laughs> All right, good. So, wake up! So we find that Jesus was invited, right? So they kind of set it up. I'm going to ask you this question. you ever been set up? You ever walk into a situation and you're like, oh, one of these things is not the other. <laughs> What's going on? And he's like, in this setting to have a meal, and he goes, man, there's an agenda here. You know what I mean? Like the first time you met your in-laws. You know, there's an agenda here. You know, like they invited specific people in the family to make this thing go a certain way. They're trying to get me off off guard and off balance. But that was the situation. Jesus walked. He's like, okay, it's on the Sabbath day. I know these clowns are going to try to pull something. And sure enough, there's a poor guy over there like suffering from this condition. So think think about, right, the Pharisees, the, the lawyers, they knew the law, right? So Leviticus 15, 1 through 3 states that a man that had an issue of fluid running, stay with me, running out of his skin that he is pronounced unclean. He is unclean. And the Pharisees and the lawyers and the scribes, one thing that they knew was the what? the law. They knew this dude's unclean, and the Pharisees always took this step, took this a step further, believing that the man to have been morally impure as well. So, and they believed that the issue, the fluid building up on him, uh, was a result of God's judgment on the man. So not only was Jesus invited, but the pharisees also invite this other guy who from the law is unclean physically and how they take it a step further spiritually he's being judged by god by this condition john 9:16 says therefore said some of the pharisees this man is not of god because he keepeth not the sabbath day others said how can a man that is a sinner do such miracles And there was a division among them. So, this tension that was present is that they're seeing people are seeing Jesus do miracles, and you got half of them going, How's he gonna do that? (laughs) If he ain't who he said he is, you know what I'm saying? How's that gonna take place? And then the Pharisees, so they're like, Well, He shouldn't be doing that on the Sabbath day because He's doing things. And we all know that on the Sabbath day you shouldn't be doing things. So we find from this other text other times when they tried to catch Him doing even good on the Sabbath day. So that's what's happening here in this text. They wanted Jesus to do, watch this, what they knew He would do to justify their belief that He was not from God. Their view was, you can't do anything like that on the Sabbath day. So what did they do? They set him up to do it. Do you see what's happening? Yeah. Come on in, have a little midday lunch, a little brunch. You know? <laughs> We're going to eat a little bit on the Sabbath day. We've put all the preparation in. Now bring that fella in from the back. And the guy's like, poor dude. You know? They're like, sit right here. You know, And they probably hired someone to bring him in because they're like, you know what I'm saying? They probably like prayed over the area where he would be sitting. And they're like, we're doing this for a purpose only once. We're going to bring this unclean dude in our house. Because we need to catch Jesus in the act of healing and doing something like this on the Sabbath. You got the picture? You guys got it? So their thinking is Jesus is going to heal this guy. And that will prove the fact that he's not right with the Lord. He's not of the Lord. Jesus had already proven. Here's another text for you. In Luke 6, 5, he said unto them that the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. So he already had spoken in a previous, we had talked about this uh, months ago in Luke Luke 6, 5, that he's not bound by the Sabbath, he's the Lord over the Sabbath. So these guys, their thinking was wrong either way, right? So what happens next? Jesus hits them with a question. I love questions. How many of you don't like questions? Come on. (laughs) They're like, eh. Come on, tell the truth. How many of you don't like questions? I don't like people. How many don't like to be questioned? Okay, that's better. All right. It's all in how you phrase it, Pastor Matt. (laughs) Y'all don't like to be questioned. I just do my thing. You know what I'm saying? I just do what I'm going to do. I just do me. Table manners. Yeah, you're doing you, but you ain't so hot no more. You might have worked when you were two. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) When you were throwing the peas across the room. But that's not, it's not acceptable anymore. It's not. So, Jesus hits them with a question. I mean, it's such a good question. If you don't read the Word of God and spend time in the word regularly, you're missing out. I read this and I'm like, "Dude, my man, he gets him," and it's perfectly spoken. It, it literally, it just, it oozes—no pun intended—with the poor guy in the room that has a fluid problem. But <laughs> anyway, I got myself there. But it, it oozes with the fact that he's the son of God. That he knew exactly what he was doing. Yeah. I have a weird sense of humor, okay? Uh, Here's the question. Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day? So we already discussed the setting in the room. And then Jesus turns and he's like, let me just, let me get them real quick. Is it lawful for me to heal on the Sabbath day? Check this out. If they answer yes, and he performs a miracle... They can't make him look good, right? If if the answer is, "Is it lawful, Pharisee, for me to heal on the Sabbath day?" Uh, well, yeah, it's lawful. Then he performs a miracle. They can't have him. This is this whole situation. This isn't how they thought it was going to play out. They thought he was going to enter into the room and he was going to see this man that that had this issue, this problem And, and the way they saw the man was he should have been way outside the house, way outside the gate. They don't want to have nothing to do with that guy in their religion, in their scope of reason, how they see the law played out. Leviticus tells us straight up, the man's unclean. The man's being judged by God. I ain't got nothing to do with that guy, but they know that uh, based on prior events, Jesus was going to walk in and just heal that guy. And then they would control the what? The narrative. But instead of just healing him, he goes, hey, is it lawful for me to do this? And they're like, got <laughs> Got him! They have no response. If they say no, then he doesn't perform the miracle that they needed him to do to indict him. No, it's not lawful. Okay. Jesus goes, all right, I'm not going to heal the guy. And they're like, no, no, no. We, we need, that's why we brought him here. That's why we orchestrated. I paid my man off to sit in the house so that you would walk in and heal him. It can, the answer can't be no. You just got to heal him. Why are you even talking, Jesus? Shh. You just do what Jesus does. I could see the one Pharisee just hitting the other one, like, say something. I can't say yes. I can't say no. Man, he got me. Dog on (laughs) it. Do you see what I mean? He got him. One question. One question. Shoot. Verse 4 tells us the story. Look at it. If you got your Bible, 14, verse 4. And they held their what? Man. I don't even know you all. I'm sorry. Is that that yours, Sarah? Is that your phone going off? Yep, sure is. Oh, it's going through there? Sorry, I'm trying to fix it. Man. And they held their peace. My first thought. You ready for this? My first thought. What are you silent about? What are you silent about? What motive could Jesus question us about that we would not be able to rightly answer or rightly justify? Think about, put yourself in the Pharisee's shoes for a minute. You okay with that? I mean, I know it's a bad place to be. I mean, nobody wants to be called a Pharisee. But put yourself in this situation. You orchestrated the lunch. You brought the people to the table. How you're living your Christian life. If Jesus were to show up and ask you a question of your motives on something, what is it that would leave you speechless? That's what I thought about when I read this text. Is there anything in my life that I'm not okay with being questioned about? We live in a culture that does not want to be questioned. We live in a culture that says, I got my rights. I wear pink tights. Just kidding, I don't. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. I have no idea. <laughs> but I'm just saying, we live in a culture that does what I do is what I wants to do. Is, you know what I'm saying? And and whatever you're doing, you got your thing, I got mine. In every culture, that transcends of what's going on in America today. I'm just doing my thing. Well, you see, the thing about being a Christian is there is no your thing. There's you giving your life to Him and Him helping you live the way you're supposed to live. So with that context, is there anything that wouldn't hold up to that question? So, the story continues. Jesus grabs the guy. If you look at verse, and he answered them, uh, verse four, and he held their peace, and he took him. That literally, that word took is, is like apprehended. Jesus was like forceful with the guy. He like walks up and picks him up. You know what I mean? Jesus was a big dude. So he grabs the guy with the fluid, heals him, verse four, healed him and let him go. So Jesus, knowing that This poor man was a pawn in their scheme, right? Heals the guy, sends him out because he knows that upon being healed, the man's not gonna, he just, he's gonna wanna go home and tell everybody. Check this out, this is amazing, I just got healed, right? So the scenario continues to play out, but Jesus even shows his grace. He shows his table manners in this situation for that man, just by grabbing him, healing him, and saying, get on out of here, because I know you're going to want to go tell your family. And then he continues. (laughs) Then a follow-up question, verse 5. Which of you shall have an ass or an ox... Fall into a pit and will not straightway pull him out on the Sabbath day. So first question, is it not lawful for me to heal on the Sabbath day? It caught them what? They didn't have an answer. They didn't have a rebuttal, which shows their error. Yes? Shows the lack of response. They're just like, oh then he gets them a second time. He gets them coming and going. You know what I'm saying? He's like, I got a second question for you. Now that we took care of my poor guy who, who was paid off to come in here and be made a spectacle because you thought I was going to come in here and heal him and then you were going to jump on me. No, 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 no. I got another question for you, Mr. Pharisee. Bet you're wishing I didn't come to lunch now. You know what I'm saying? Look at the second question. Is there something I, let me ask you first, which of you shall have an axe, ass, an axe, an ass or an ox, fallen into a pit and will not straightway pull him out on the Sabbath day? Jesus got him again. Here it is. He says this: "If something, Pharisee, was going to cost you money, that was the what? The ox falling in the ditch. Or if something was going to cause you pain? The sun, right? The ox, money, the sun, pain. You would do some work on the Sabbath day. Look at it. Verse number five. Which of you has an ass or an ox that that falls, not straightly pull him out? And they could not answer him again on these things. Twice. Twice Jesus catches them with silence. Second thought, is there something in my life that I am holding others to a standard that I don't even keep myself? Y'all need to think about that one for a minute. The first one was Jesus completely questions their their motive and is completely silent, right? The second one, he says, "What what you're imposing on me, reasonably speaking, you would do too you're not going to keep the law the way that you think you keep the law and let me tell you something they were money meant something to them then we're going to let that oh it's on the sabbath my poor ox he'll have to die heck no they'd be like anybody looking pull that thing up out of there you know <laughs> keeping the sabbath no nope, but don't tell nobody <laughs> jesus was like okay you're not going to let one of those things die because it fell in a pit on the Sabbath. You're going to dig it out. So here's my second question for you. Is there something in my life that I'm holding others to a standard that I don't even keep myself? Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe you're holding your wife to a standard that you ain't been able to keep in the whole time y'all been married. Man, it's quiet. That's what Jesus is saying. Do you see it? This is, and this is why we don't like questions, right? Uh, <laughs> silence twice. Church, we have to ask ourselves hard questions. We have to come to grips with the fact that sometimes we're hypocritical. Sometimes we're setting bars for other people that we couldn't jump over. You know what I'm saying? True? True? Here's what it is. We need to address the core issue. Does anybody know what the core issue is? Here's what I think it is. Pride. I think the core issue here is pride. Here's the thing. You either get paid now or later. You either get paid on this earth or in the kingdom of God. I think we need to turn our thinking caps on a little a little bit here. You know what I mean? Y'all, y'all need to think through this with me. This is a very, like, convict... We're, we're going to talk about some very convicting things here in this last part of the story here. And I, I want this to hit home in such a way that you have that decision to make. You can see yourself for uh, Yeti Cup down <laughs> to where you can see yourself like, man, I'm, I'm making a choice here. I'm either choosing to live In pride, or live in humility. So, here's the thing. Now or later, Christianity is about delayed gratification. It's about your return on investment in the kingdom. I'm going to break it down for you. Pride, I believe, was the core issue of the Pharisees. Jesus was trying to teach them humility. They, they went through all of these elaborate plans to catch him so that they could get paid in relational equity so that they could get paid in their ministry being uh, continued and the crowd getting bigger, right? Think about it. They had their way of doing things and they needed to prove it right there, right now. And if they let Jesus continue doing what He's doing, I mean, He's just giving goodness away. I mean, He's just healing people that God's been judging for years. Who does He think He is? Jesus was working for a payday that was eternal. They wanted the payday then and there. An example, Luke 18 just a few chapters, four chapters ahead, we find the publican praying what? Oh, I'm sorry. We find the Pharisee praying openly in the synagogue, saying, I'm glad I'm not like the publican, the sinner that's over there, on his face crying for forgiveness. The Pharisee wanted other people to notice him, right? He wanted other people to notice him in the synagogue of how well he prayed. Pride gets your payment now. It gets people to notice you now. Other people to say, man, he's such a good Christian. I love the way he does things, the way he uh, articulates. But the truth of the story is that only one man went justified from that synagogue that day. It wasn't the man who could pray really good. It was the man that humbled himself, the publican. We talked about it last week. If my people will humble themselves, So humility is saying, I don't care. We're going to get into this a little bit more. I don't really care what God wants to do with me. I just want to be used. Pride says, I care very much how people acknowledge me and see me now because it's my image and it's my reputation, okay? So the core issue was their pride, in my opinion. This is, and we're really getting down to the nitty gritty. Look at verse 7 through 14 in the text. Jesus now puts forth a parable to those that were that were there when he marked how they chose out the chief rooms, saying, and then if we continue to read, basically it's it's two different things. Jesus says from verses 7 to 14, he gives two scenarios. Are you ready for it? Here's the two scenarios. The first scenario is you're invited to a party, you're invited to a dinner, you're invited to a wedding, okay? And when you come in, I just, I just did a wedding, performed a wedding last weekend, and it was hilarious. Not really, but kind of. <laughs> it was in this, like, VFW hall. I feel like you guys need a break for a second. Your mind's, like, twisted up. Which way is he going with this? Is it pride or what? Table manners? Anyway, I'm, I'm going to land the plane in a minute, but you guys need a mental break. So I'm doing this wedding this week, and <laughs> the band gets there. And the band is going to be playing the music for the bride to come down, right? And and then also in seeing it for like making all the announcements. Maybe someone didn't communicate very well to the, the guy, the leader of the band <laughs> that was announcing everything. So it's the ceremony. I'm walking down with the groom, right? And the guy's over there with the card. And now we have <laughs> so-and-so and so-and-so walking down. And like everybody's like, do we clap? I'm looking at the guy, not right now, bro. Like, shh, it's not the, it's, it's not the reception. And he's like, and we have another couple coming down. Am I wrong? Like, I'm telling you, like, and here comes the next couple. And now the Mr. and Mrs. He goes through the whole thing. And by this time, like, everybody, like, everybody, made that walked down the aisle was like eye-rolling, hardcore. And the man like had his readers on, you know, he's like, eh. Everybody else in the room knew what was going on except who? Him. And I had already tried to like, and I thought, maybe I'd just walk over there and just tell the man, like, shut up. We don't need your services right now. But then I'm like, it's just too late. So after the bride comes down, and she's standing there and she's just like, you know, what in the world? I'm like, now that everyone is acquainted with everyone, <laughs> let's let's have the ceremony, guys. And he's like, oh. <laughs> so anyway, it was an interesting wedding. And then we had the ceremony and I'm like, should we do it all over again? But anyway, the two the two gives, I think it's cutting out. The two scenarios that Jesus gives are one, you're invited to a party. And you think that you're so important that you're going to go all the way up and sit, to the, sit next to the guy that invited you. And Jesus is like, how embarrassing is it if somebody more important than you walks in and you're sitting in what? His seat. Then the guy who's in charge of the VIP list is going to walk up to you and go, hey bro, your seat's in the back. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. My bad. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's awkward, right? Jesus is like, how much better is it to be invited to a party sit in the back, sit in the room with all the common guests and then have the head of the party come to you and say, "No, I have reserved seating for you." Then you feel what? Honored. That's scenario number 1. Scenario Number two is you throw the party. You throw the party and then you rich friends because you know they throw a party, they're going to what? Invite you. And he uses the word recompense. Here's what he means. He's saying you're going to spend money to throw a party and then you're going to get your money back by going and partaking in another party because you know that they're going to throw it and invite you again, because you invited them. He said, I'd rather you do this. Throw a party and invite a ton of people who can't pay you back. Stay with me. If you do that, then I'll pay you back at the resurrection. I'll pay you back in the eternal kingdom. So here's the difference. Pride and humility. Pride looks for payment when? Now. Humility is delayed gratification and is only concerned about getting paid what God gives him. The Pharisees were still going, man, I wish we would set this thing up differently. Like, right? It went right over their heads. But how many of us can learn something from this story and walk away different? And not be the Pharisee, but actually be someone who grows in humility. All right, are you ready? i got a few, a few pointers for you. Addressing the core issue of pride. Looking for humility. The parable gives us two things. Number one, be content. In the first story, stay with me. In the first story, it's about you being invited to a party. Let's say we're arm in arm with Jesus, right? Let's say that we're the bride of Christ, And Jesus is escorting us to this party together. I think it's customary. I think manners are lost these days. You know what I mean, Steve? It's lost. When was the last time, and I'm preaching to myself here, when was the last time you husbands opened the door for your wife? This is all free. The women are like, get (laughs) them. When was the last time you took your lazy carcass on the other side of the car and opened the door for your wife? Old-fashioned chivalry. When was the last time you went to a restaurant and you followed your man in? Why? Because you knew he was going to pull out the chair and say, This is where we're going to sit. That's the picture I'm presenting to you today. Let God pull out the chair where He wants you to sit in life and be content where He pulls the chair out. Just sit down. Don't you think we can go up there? That's where all the good drinks are. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Don't you think we can go up there? Just sit down. In the first parable, the point is is that God knows, He knows, He understands, and He wants you to just be humble and in humility. The first step is just being content with where He puts you. Be content with the people that He brings to the table. In that scenario, you can't be prejudiced. In that scenario, you can't be anxious. You have to just be content. Let God push your chair in. Number two... Define your worth from God, not from what you do for God. I feel like in this scenario, in this party atmosphere that Jesus is depicting in this parable, that we feel like if we're not number one, if we're not the guy out in front, if we're not sitting next to, if we're not the maid of honor or the best man that's giving the speech, we feel like we're not worth enough to God. If God pulls the chair out, if God made you to do what God wants you to do, be content with it. Don't find your worth in what you do. Find your worth in who He thinks you are. In how much He loves you. You were fearfully and wonderfully made. And your worth is not on what you accomplish, but who you are to God. Y'all need to take that truth in. We would have less musical chairs. You understand what I'm saying? We would have less musical chairs in the ministry and in life. We would stop searching for other places to be. We would bloom where we're planted. We would sit where God pulls out the chair if we would just find our worth in Jesus instead of what we do for Jesus. Just saying. Hey, Pharisee, How about this? I love you. You're worth me dying on the cross for. Hey, scribe. Hey, lawyer. I understand you know every little bit about the law. But let me tell you about a new law. A new covenant that says I love you more than anything. No matter how much you know the law, I know you. And I love you. The first step to humility is being content. The first step in this story is sitting where Jesus pulls the chair out for you to sit at. Number two, be generous. Here's another. The story flips. Okay, you're invited to the party. Sit in the back. Let them bring you to a different place if that's what is, if that's what is in God's will for you. Let Him depict where He wants you to sit. The second thing, hey, if you're throwing the party, don't worry about getting paid now. The second thing I see in this story... For humility to blossom is be generous. Always, number one, get the check. Man, I'm telling you, that's been my thing, like, forever. Sarah knows, like, we we always want to be generous. And there's been seasons of our life where we haven't had it. And we steal from our kids' piggy bank to make sure that we have enough to to get the check, you know. Uh, Seasons of life bring different challenges. But that's one thing that we've always, like, hey, we want to get the check. And some of you know, like, we go out to eat more often. And, like, I'm sneaky about it. I mean, like, I'm going to pay. Like, I'm going to figure it out. Uh, You know, the little old lady across the restaurant, she's, like, going through her pocketbook, like, where's my money at? And I'm like, (laughs) anyway, just kidding. I'm not stealing from the little old lady, but I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to pay for the check. But you see, that's humility. I don't mean, oh, yeah, I always pay for the check. No, 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 that's not what I mean. He gives the context Of people that can't pay you back. You see, we always want to get the check when we know that my main man is going to say, hey, it's on what? Me, next time. Oh, we love going out to eat with people like that. I'll never forget, man. This is probably the craziest Goodness gracious. One more story, I'm sorry. (laughs) There was a family that we were trying to help. We were in a season of, like, very little very little. And man, we were trying to like, we were trying to help this family. They were a mess. She was a drug addict. And like, I, we were praying with her. We were trying to get help, trying to get her in rehab. Back when when I was a youth pastor. And um, they lived close to us. We knew them from the neighborhood. And we were just trying to invest in them. We felt like it was something that God wanted us to do. And so, we were like, <laughs> I know you'll remember that. Do you know what I'm going to say? Yeah. So, we, um, we said to them, listen, let us take you out to dinner one night. Let us take you out to dinner. And they're like, okay, that sounds great. We'll pick the place. And I was like, oh, okay, all right. <laughs> they're really excited about me taking them out for dinner. <laughs> I was like, all right, cool, it's, it's all right. So we planned it, we're going to go. So then we got to that part of the discussion. Where are we going to go? Do you guys like Kobe's? was like, yeah, you know what I'm saying, I like it, but I'm on more of like a Mickey D's budget, you know what I'm saying? I was like, yeah, we love a Japanese steakhouse. <laughs> it's probably been about since we've experienced something like that. Maybe back when I owned my own business, not now. I'm working for a church. I was like, yeah, yeah. So I told Sarah, I was like, what do we do? She's like, I don't know. We, we told them we were going to take them out, and they're being really assertive at this point. Man. So we're like, okay, sure. And we went, and they ordered. <laughs> they went to town. I was like, they're like, you want shrimp with that? You want filet mignon? Oh, yeah, let's do it. And then, like, after the dinner, you know, they're like, man, thank you guys so much for taking us out. And we're like, oh, yeah, No problem. <laughs> Do we have a credit card that's not on fire right now (laughs) that we can pay for this dinner? We walked away that night, and we were like, you know what? We don't ever anticipate. End of this day, they have never reciprocated. But we were okay with it. We thought at the end of that night, after we spent money that we didn't have, that you know what? At At least one other couple in this town Knows, one other couple in this town at least they know that we love them and that we will do for them but let me tell you none of their family would have done for them and I wasn't looking for the hit me back up and where are we going next Friday because I knew it wasn't coming and I'm not saying to you today like go look for that people and spoil them that's not the point the point is our mentality do you understand what I'm saying? It's the mentality towards it. Be generous. Worth is about our willingness to be used up because we know that God will continue to replenish our souls and our resources. If I'm going to live from a place of humility, I'm going to understand that I'm either wanting to get paid now or later. And when I make a decision that I'm only concerned about being paid back by God, I'm okay with being used up. I'm okay with being taken advantage of. Why? Because I know that God is going to continue to replenish. Let me help y'all with something. We're okay. We've moved past that meal, it hurt. And there's been other situations that, that God has led us into. But watch this God is faithful, they are not. I'm only concerned with God's faithfulness, not their faithfulness. I did it for them because he called me to love them, not because I was looking to get paid back. All right, let me give you guys some tweetable quotes for the day, okay? Pride says, you you need to really lock in on this, in this context. Pride says, I shouldn't have to wait for what I want. And humility says, I am honored to forget what I want and give of what I have. Pride says, I shouldn't have to wait for what I want. Trust me, we live in a culture that doesn't want to wait for the next pair of clothes, for the next house, for the next child, for the next fill-in-the-blank. I want, I want, I want, I want. That's what pride does. The Pharisees had a clear agenda, but humility says... I'm honored to forget what I want and give of what I have. Do you understand that that's kingdom mentality right there? The second thing pride will cost you everything. We don't think of it this way. I think you need to really engage your minds here. When you choose to live for what you want, you're paying the price. You're paying the price. Over and over again. But listen, humility was paid in advance by Jesus. When you choose to live in humility, you're living something that was paid in advance by the cross of Calvary. Yes, you are enduring. Yes, you are, you are going without. But He is paying for it. And He will recompense in the kingdom. If you choose to give of what you have, He is continually giving back to you what's already been paid in advance. But if you hoard and say, I want paid. I want to shine. I want, I want my glory from this. I want people to notice me. It's costing you. It's costing you it's costing you your eternity because you're consuming every good thing that God could use for his glory. We don't think about how much pride costs us. Neither did the Pharisees. The last thing. Pride will give you temporary pleasure. Humility will give you an eternal retirement. Pride will give you temporary pleasure. Humility will give you an eternal retirement. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Much to learn.